This is Pastor Jules, the lead pastor of TFH Oakland, and I am so honored that you decided to come and listen and tune into our weekly podcast. Uh, I want to let you know that we've been in a series called Essential, uh, and this is about living a full life with less. And I recently got to talk with my lead pastor, Pastor Dave Patterson of the Father's House in Vacaville, uh, and another pastor, Pastor Lee Brooks, with my lovely wife, Pastor Lonnie, and myself. And we were discussing in this together and this is uh, really a candid conversation about race and justice and inequality and the church's involvement in this now as you're listening to this our nation has undergone some horrific and terrible events uh, revolving around George Floyd Um, with that we had just had this conversation where we felt like the church needed to rally the church needed to speak out to speak up and weeks prior to the incident involving George Floyd, we had had this conversation. A uh, little context, there so many different people that are involved, but my lead pastor is white, we're African-American, and we got to sit down and have this candid conversation. And as you're listening and tuning in, I want you to open your heart. I want you to open your ears. I want you to ask God to speak to you and through you, whether you're black, white, Hispanic, Indian, whatever nationality or background you come from, uh, we are living in challenging times and we pray that this conversation would help to provide not only application but traction as you're trying to discover your role, your voice in the midst of all of this. Thank you again for listening. Please subscribe. Continue to check us out on social media, TFH Oak. And thank you for so much for being a part and supporting the TFH Oakland family. I am so excited to have with me today our very own and beloved uh, lead pastors and church planners of the Oakland Father's House. Give it up for Pastor Jules and Lonnie Moore. And uh, to my right, we have Pastor Lee Brooks. Whoa. I think, she, I think she got a bigger shout, man. Well, she's a legend around here, by the way. Thank you, Lee, for coming to be with us. And uh, today we're going to preach some Bible. We're going to preach from these chairs and we're going to have a conversation, a conversation around a conversation that we had this week as we got together with uh, quite a few of our staff and our leaders and uh, Pastor Jules and these guys. And we started talking about um, where we're at as a nation. And the conversation was around diversity and racism and unity And the real question is this, how do we become the church that is in the heart of Jesus? How do we become that unified, diverse church that he intended to build? So I thought I'd just start right out with the words of Jesus. Always a good place to start, right? And uh, he's praying in the book of John chapter 17, believed to be his last prayer for his disciples and for all of us before he went to the cross. So check this out. This is John 17, 20 through 23. The Lord said, I ask not only for these disciples, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. So that's us that he was praying for. I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. For the very glory you've given me, I have given to them so that they will be joined together as one. Just pause right there. Think about this. The glory, the essence of who God is, has been given to the church so we might walk in unity and be one just as the Father and the Son are one. And experience the same unity we enjoy. Uh, You live fully in me and now I live fully in them. 
so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you have sent me. So think about that right there. A church of diversity being unified is actually irrefutable evidence that the father sent Jesus and that his word is true. So this is a big deal we're talking about today. Well, as you guys know, we all know uh, racism, racial violence, hatred is alive in our world. No doubt about it. Uh, We've been all affected uh, at some level, deep levels by what we see in the news the last few weeks. And uh, we've been clearly and loudly reminded that that we've got a ways to go as the body of Christ. And uh, by the way, I just want to say that uh, this This chat is not reactionary in any way, but it is an opportunity to speak to the deep-seated problem and the divide that is in our country. And how many of you guys believe we need to be a part of the healing, part of the solution? Now, we're not delusional in thinking we got some new answers or new formulas whatsoever because the massive problems of racism and racial violence, uh, casting systems that have been around ever since people groups have been around, uh, bigotry, white supremacy movement, all that stuff, it all falls under one main category and it's called sin. And how you know we can't fix the sin problem But Jesus came to fix the sin problem. What we can do at the Father's house and all of our campuses, our locations, our church plants is be very intentional about the kind of church that we're going to build. And we're building places that they make a place for everybody. We're going to honor everyone, no matter race or social status or income or failure in life, no matter what they've been through. So I want to start with you, Pastor Jules. I'm going to ask you a question, weigh in on this. You know, as uh, an African-American male living in California and watching along with the watching world, uh, the senseless death of uh, Ahmaud Aubrey, um, how did that affect you um, both personally and then, you know, as a father with your, with your girls and uh, your team, you're, you're a leader, you're a communicator. So everybody's looking to Pastor Jules, what's he saying about all this? So uh, if you wouldn't mind, jump in and talk about that and then share a few things that are on your heart. Good to have you here, by the way. It's good to be here. Uh, it's good to see you guys as well. It's awesome. Uh, quick disclaimer, uh, this conversation, I don't want you to leave the room and feel bad for being white if you're white. Thank you. So Thank take you. a deep breath. Because anytime tables are like this, we're like, okay, I'm white. This is terrible for me. I'm a, I'm the, I get the bad end of the total. All right. Um, the way that I feel, it's, uh, my heart is broken. Um, I've really struggled in this season. Uh, this has been probably one of the hardest roads for us, not only as pastors, but just as leaders, as people of, uh, seeing, a, another senseless act of violence. And, and it, and it hits home because, uh, for our church family, uh, we just recently lost a member to another senseless act of violence. And, uh, it's just, I've struggled. My heart has been broken. Um, it's been hard to speak about this subject and then seeing all of the headlines and the different conversations going on and all those that are jumping in to what's happening. Um, it's a wrestling match that I'm having with God. It's a wrestling match that I have because I grew up in both places. I feel like I have dual citizenship because I have a lot of white friends and a lot of white family. I have a lot of black friends, a lot of black family, brown. I got purple friends. If if they were around, I'd take them all. Um, But my heart has been broken and it only reinforces what I believe about Jesus and what Jesus wants to do. 
because I feel like, I, you know, it's a faith crisis, but I have to hone back in on the fundamental teachings that Jesus came to destroy every aspect of segregation, every aspect of prejudice that Jesus came and... And so, but the, the, stru- the struggle that's happening in me right now is this, is that I'm frustrated and I'm tired of people becoming stats and only that. My fear is, is that we are living in a culture and a society where everyone is exposed finally to this kind of brutality, but it just stays in the category of a hashtag. And unfortunately, many times the church will only get involved when Kim says something about it. And I think that that's the problem that I have. That's the challenge because this is not just race that we're talking about of any group of people that should have something to say about this matter. It should be the church. The church has always been the entity that has come to bring racial reconciliation. And if the church becomes silent, if I become silent, that is the, the greatest injustice that I can have right now in this season. And so for my heart is, is this is, like you're saying, as a dad, we, we come to these conversations or we see these headlines and we automatically assume who the enemy is based on our own prejudice, based on our own ideas. Sometimes we just don't have all the information and sometimes we associate this person was the victim and this person was the enemy. And as the church, we have to exempt ourselves and see injustice. And here's where it boils down. A life has been lost. This man is no longer breathing. He no longer has the opportunity to have kids, to raise a family. A life has been lost. And if the church and if me as a pastor and a leader can just look beyond a stat and see a story that this is someone's life. And if we don't get frustrated, if we don't come to a place of brokenness, whether white community, black community, whether middle class, high class or low class or no class, if we as the church don't recognize lives matter because they love, they matter to Jesus. Jesus was on the cross. He says, forgive them for they know not what they do. We as a group of people have to come to this place where we're saying that was a person that life mattered. His kids can't bust in in his room. The, you know, the kind of annoying things that happen to us as parents, they don't have that option. A mom wakes up and her son is no longer there. If we can move from a stat to a story, and if any of us in this room that have any kind of prejudice or just maybe ignorance or indifference, we need to repent of that indifference. Amen. Indifference is the killer that is affecting us all. And that's why we continue to circle back to moments like this. So yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm filling in, you know, as we are processing this and I'm thinking, Pastor Dave, uh, props to you for facilitating conversations like this. Yeah. But what does that look like to be able to talk to your community who's predominantly white in Vacaville and to be able to say, let's have these kind of conversations. What does that look like? What's your response in helping to move that needle one notch, two notch or forward at any capacity? Well, that's good. Well, I think when, when the spirit of God lives in us, that just by the nature of, of Jesus living in us by the power of the Holy Spirit, we long for diversity and we long for unity and we actually long for everyone to be accepted and no life to be discounted. And, and I, I think it's, it, is, it is common sense, but it's also the spirit of the Lord that if we're here to build his church, then we're going to want to build the kind of church that Jesus 
is coming back for. And it really, it's, it's a glimpse of heaven. I, I want to read another verse of scripture here, but I had this thought while you're talking, I, just a, a little thought. I thought, you know, we got four preachers up here with microphones. This could be a long service. We might have to order in some pizza, but it's all going to be good. I'm telling you that right now. So Jesus has something in his heart. And by the way, diversity is God's idea. We should, we should celebrate it, not try to mask it over, right? Book of Revelation, it says, I looked again, I saw a huge crowd, too huge to count. Everyone was there, all nations and tribes, all races and languages. They were standing dressed in white robes, waving palm branches, standing before the throne and the lamb and heartily singing. Salvation comes from our God who sits on the throne and from the lamb. So there it is right there that, Everyone was there, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. You know, early on, we started the, the Father's house. In just a minute, we're going to talk about those early days with Pastor Lee. But um, I remember the Lord kept giving me this vision of the church being a table. And, and on this table, which represents the great table, we will all sit at one day, right? I think it's Revelation 17, the marriage supper of the Lamb. And uh, by the way, the word says that you're blessed if you get an invitation, all right? So if you get one, RSVP immediately. And I'll send some of those out at the end of our time today. But uh, so we've got this, we got this visual of the table of the Lord. And at that table, I would imagine, I know for a fact that everything we need is on his table right now. Lord says in Psalm 23, I prepare a table for you, even in the presence of your enemy. So on his table, there's, there's grace and forgiveness and restoration, healing of our emotions. There's full acceptance. There's unconditional love, right? There's a side of vision and dreams and it's all just on the table and everyone has a place. There's a chair pulled out for everyone, regardless of, you know, your background or how many failures you have in your life or how educated you are or are not, or no matter who they are. And so that's what motivates me to have the discussion is because I want to see the church that is in Jesus' heart here on earth, right? So when we pray, God, let your kingdom come, let your will be done on earth. You're talking about a diverse church where everybody knows for a fact that they belong because God is, he's not exclusive, is he? God is inclusive. Yeah. You know, it's been said that the most segregated hour in the week is the Sunday morning worship service. And that's true in the South, but it is true. And it is sad. And we need to do something about it. Amen. So I, I want to see the church that Jesus is proud of. And I, I think we get a chance to build it in Vacaville and Roseville and East Bay and Oakland and Napa. We get to build his church. Well, Pastor Lee, you were the first African-American person to show up at the father's house 22 years ago, all right? So we were, you know, a, a, an infant church in the predominantly white Vacaville, and uh, you showed up. By the way, thanks for sticking around. And um, you really helped us. I mean, you were the pioneer of helping us become now what I believe is a, a healthy church, a diversity, and expression of God's heart. So uh, just speak to a little bit of, of your journey and, and the acceptance. Did you think there'd be a place at the table? What was that like for you? Well, I came to the church in 1999. I have been in another church for many years. And one day the Lord said, it's time to go and work. And I'd like you to remember that part and work. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to circle back around to that. So I went to prayer about this, and I asked the Lord, where should I go? I'm not a church shopper. I'll go wherever you say go, but please direct me. So after a few days of praying, I felt led to 
come to the Father's house. And I knew pastors Dave and Donna a little bit because they were just such phenomenal worship leaders back in those days. And so I said, I can do that, Lord. So I came while we were still at Three Oaks, and I was the only black person in the room. And I remember I looked around and I said, Lord, why am I always the only black person in the room? Seriously, because this was happening in my work, it was happening in meetings, and now here we are in the church, and here we are again. And the Lord answered very quickly, and he said, when people go to a new place, people who are different, they look around to see if there's anybody there that looks like them. And if there's somebody there that looks like them, then they know it's a safe place. They know it's okay to be there. And then the Lord said, and somebody has to be first. Come on. So that was my answer. So I was first. And what did that look like? It was awkward sometimes. Um, Pastors Dave and Donna were very gracious always. But I was an oddity in many ways. People would look at me. I felt very much like I was being observed sometimes. And I remember on Sundays, Pastor Dave used to, he probably never will again in this season, do the meet and greet and say, shake somebody's hand. Go across the way and meet somebody that you've never met before. And I sat in the same place every week. And there was a Caucasian couple that sat across the aisle from me. And I could never get eye contact with them. And they never looked up. They never looked over. They never came over. And I, you know, thought about that every week. This went on for a year. So finally one day, I mustered up all the courage I could, and I marched across the aisle, and I extended my hand, and I said, hi, I'm Lee. I don't think we've ever met. And they turned around and had these big grins on their faces, and we chatted for a few seconds, and to this day, we're still friendly. But you know what? I had a choice to make. And remember, I was sent. I was on assignment. And the Lord just revealed this to me as we were doing our preparation for today, I don't know why I felt like I had to go across the aisle. I felt like I just needed to talk to these people. We need to get to know each other. So I had to cloak myself in humility. I was the new person. And ideally, in my mind, I'm quite the idealist sometimes, you should come over and say hello to me. But I had to humble myself. Only took a year. But I had to humble myself and walk across that aisle and be the person to take the first step. You know, in Colossians 3.12, it tells us to robe ourselves with the virtues of God since we've been divinely chosen to be holy. And I was chosen to come to the Father's house. So be merciful as you endeavor to understand others and be compassionate, showing kindness toward all. Be gentle and humble, unoffendable in your patience with others. I had a choice to make. I could stay on my side of the aisle and be offended. I could stay over there and continue the internal dialogue that these white people don't like me. Lord, why'd you bring me here? Or I could humble myself and walk across the aisle. And so today I would say to you that I believe that God is still looking for people that will humble themselves, be unoffendable, and take the first step to go across the aisle. Now, I'm not putting the responsibility on one group. I'm not saying the people of color should always do this. I think as Christians, we should all do this. We should all be looking around to see who is the lonely person, who's the person that needs a handshake, and we should be willing to lay down all our stuff and walk across the, the hall well, the hall or the, the, the aisle way, whatever it is. But we need to be willing to do that. Thank you so much. 
Uh, and thanks for sticking around. And uh, you're awesome. You're, you're a legend here. Uh, well, Lonnie, let me, let me throw this to you. And you and Jules can jump in and talk over each other as married couples do. Um, or is that just me and Donna? Okay. Uh, but what does it look like? Okay, so Oakland, it's a little different story for you now. What, what is it going to look like to walk across the aisle at the Father's House, Oakland? And uh, along with that, a follow-up question, what's in your heart when you think about building a church? Because you guys just got started. How many weeks did you have before the lockdown? Eight. Eight whole weeks? <laughs> Three. Three. It's just eight, eight weeks, and then and now we're, we're mobile church. But as you go, guys go back in and rebuild, what's in your heart for the church, capital C? What are you praying for, and uh, what do you believe in God to do? Ta- speak into that for a bit. Yeah, I mean, like Pastor Lee, I think that my heart for everyone is for them to feel it necessary to cross the aisle, um, to cloak themselves with humility because of inclusion and because of kindness, because we want to walk in kindness. And I think that I want for my church, my prayer and my passion for my church is for the kindness of the Holy Spirit to flood any building that we're in, wherever. And for us to take that kindness through the streets, I'm grieved on a daily basis for my city because kindness is shocking to people. It is normal to see injustice and lies, but it's not normal to see kindness. And I want to go after kindness. I want to arrest kindness and I want the people that we lead to do the same thing for inclusion, not a color, not a race, not a social economic, not a what you look like, where you came from, who your mom is, who your dad is, who you voted for. I want to go who you are because God goes after that. I married you for so many reasons. Um, well done, you. Yeah. I think the inverse for us, if I could, is, uh, or the response for Oakland to do that is really the inverse. Um, where, you know, when you have community, our community is predominantly black within our church and everybody is welcome and everybody is coming. And we're seeing more of that different ages. But for us, I don't want situations or circumstances to corrode our understanding and our love and attraction to Jesus. I don't want what we experience to start corroding our heart and our faith mm-hmm. to where I know a lot of people of color are tired of going to the table. Mm-hmm. They're frustrated because they're like, I'm always the first one. Why do I always have to be the first one? And I think if our church can be built where everyone takes it as their personal responsibility to be the first one, that it's not just one color, but every white person, black person, Hispanic, Ethiopian, Ugandan, we have them all. Indian, middle, we got them all. Um, That we have to keep fighting and that tables like this is so important. Like our whole thing is family. And so we constantly have to create the table. And for our church, if we can continue to extend the tables, if we can continue to add partitions, if we can grab random chairs, like if the table can continually to expand, we've won. Mm-hmm. And people would see that. And I think that's, that's what our heart is for our mm-hmm. church. It's yeah. awesome. It's awesome. Um, so thinking about this, just as we've been having these discussions, I think Lonnie and I, we were chatting and we were really blown away that, our pastor, Pastor Dave and Pastor Donna are our pastors. They've spoken to our lives, have partnered with us. We were really blown away that and honored that they would say, hey, let's have this conversation. Uh, so a number of leaders,